Welcome back to It's Time for a Beer Podcast. No, it's not a new episode. It's just the edited version of Angus Brayshaw. So if you did catch the original drop, you are now classified as a VIP. It's time for a beer. Listener, we did just have to make a little edit. Uh, Gus nor I are uh, out there to offend anyone. Uh, he told a, a story, which was pretty funny, but um, uh, someone asked for it to be edited. So that, that's what we've done. So if there is a disjointed part during the middle of the episode where you thought, what the fuck was that? That's just probably where the edit was. I am a novice. I've got no idea what I'm doing in terms of editing. So I literally just hit delete. Um, so, so some things might not make sense, but uh, be sure to know there was just a little edit in there and uh, plenty more Gus Brayshaw to enjoy. Such a young champion at the Melbourne Football Club, academic, good-looking, handsome. He's got the works. Also, later this week, I've already recorded uh, the most handsome player in the competition, Jager O'Meara. So I'll get that up by the weekend. But whilst you wait for that, if you haven't caught the Brayshaw episode, which a lot of people have been wondering where it's gone, it's back up. Enjoy. It's what you hearing. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. X gon' give it to you. Welcome back. It's time for a beer. Sorry I've been away for a period of time. I've copped an absolute shitload of messages on socials about the next guest. Well, lucky today, Angus Brayshaw, the Melbourne gun, is going to jump on for an hour. Intelligent, smart, good looking. He has the works, Gus. Uh, I'm so appreciative of those guys who do jump on. An hour of their time, free of charge. I usually send him a couple of boxes of beer, but uh, he's an absolute ripper. We talk about the couple of times he shit himself. His Adelaide girlfriends. Uh, his family, of course, there's three brothers in the family, all got wonderful stories, broken toes. Uh, and what's next for Gus? And, of course, if you, you're jumping on your Melbourne supporters, some Melbourne chat regarding Ben Brown, Christian Petrarca, uh, we go through a lot. But before we do get in the chat, please, jump on, give it a five-star review. Uh, again, I'll say it every week. I don't actually know what it does, but please get on there. I don't care what you write. Just go, oh, you're a fucking legend or something like that. Whatever you want. Jump on there, give us the five stars, give us a review. I'm going to start piling a few of these out over the next month or so. I've got some tremendous guests lined up, but please enjoy this guy. Welcome back. It's time for a beer. Angus Brayshaw. G'day, Gus. How are you, mate? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Now, I need to ask, we have been trying to arrange this uh, for a period of time, but um, you've had surgery, you've had uni, you've had all sorts of bits and pieces going on. Firstly, how was the university results? Yeah, look, I thought it was a good idea after I figured out I was having surgery to pick up a third unit. So Jesus. I think I had surgery on the Friday and then uh, I picked it up Thursday. So four weeks in, I picked another one up and then I didn't do anything for a month because obviously you have surgery. Yeah. So I get to about like nine or 10 and I've got a cram for three old units. So I uh, had a very busy, busy, busy month. And yeah. that's probably why we haven't been able to no. do this until just about now. But um, yeah, the results come out on the 17th of December. So I'm holding my breath, but I feel like I did well and uh, ticking off next unit is pretty good. So yeah, it's, um, it was good in hindsight. It was a stressful couple of weeks, but yeah. it's all good now. What, what are you studying, mate? Uh, commerce. I'm majoring in finance at the moment. I've only got two years left to go. So they were pretty um, pretty solid units of yeah. work. I couldn't smudge my way through, unfortunately. Well, mate, you know what it's like when you turn up to uh, a footy club and usually they might give you 12 months of leeway before they sort of encourage you to start looking into doing some education or an apprenticeship of some description. 
I started my undergrad um, business sports management in my first season out of footy. Uh, so that's yep. 15 years ago, uh, and I've got one subject, <laughs> one subject to go. And um, it's fair to say that it's been a battle, but uh, one subject to go. And now I've got two kids. Every time I have to do a group meeting or something with, um, with a lecturer, I just grab the kids, like hold them on me, and then be like, oh, sorry, guys. WA time, yeah, I'm a mature age student, I've got kids, I've got family, they always let me off the hook. So I've got another yeah. one of them tonight at 5.30 and I just play the game, mate. You just got to play the game until you get through and out the other side. But uh, we'll go to schooling. Uh, you're a Halebury boy. Now, um, Sandringham under 18s, Halebury, uh, APS football. How were you at school? Were you, I've read that you were a well, well-rounded student slash uh, athlete. How were you at school? Uh, depends who you ask. I always, uh, I loved, I loved school. I loved, uh, there are a few subjects I really loved and uh, it's funny how, um, you know, the, the, the subjects I seem to really love are where the teachers were, um, were good teachers. Like yeah. I, I must've been a little smart ass growing up. I would have been <laughs> an absolute terrible student to have, but only because in a lot of cases, I just felt like uh, the teachers who were trying to like, I, you know, I was a smart kid and yeah. I could see straight through their, through their BS. So <laughs> the second they tried to, um, if they were no good, then I would just run amok. So yeah. um, I reckon I was about 50-50 with uh, being a good student in 50% of my classes and I was up to no good in the other 50%. But um, I love school and I'm at uni now, obviously. So um, doing finance, I don't really know about finance. probably just something to do until yeah. I finish footy. But yeah, I was uh, no good at school for half the time, which is probably not a bad thing, I guess. Mate, Halebury, uh, as I mentioned, I was a Melbourne grammar lad. So we um, obviously played against Halebury and they got a hold of us a couple of times. Uh, was there any uh, other um, Halebury boys that went on to play AFL or was James Pattinson around? You're, he might have been a bit older for you too. Um, did you yeah, have a reasonably man. good side? Yeah, look, we Halebury goes through dips and sort of troughs. Yeah. I mean, dips uh, and troughs where we'll be really good. We'll give out a heap of scholarships. So you remember yeah. Tom Scully, um, Gun- yeah. Gunston, um, a few of those boys, we won. And then we were so good. The school was like, nah, stuff it. We're not doing anything else. And then we'd get real bad. So I was in a bit of a dip. We did have Nath Freeman was a top 10 uh, pick yeah. to yeah. Uh, Collingwood in 2013. And Ham Street was a late third round pick that same year. And yeah. I, I went through school a bit early. So I was all in their year at school. But... Carl Amon's still kicking around. He's doing really well. And yep. uh, and we're the only two left, I think, from um, my time at Halebury. But, uh, yeah, then after I left, sure enough, they became real good again. Yeah. So, uh, I went yeah. through the uh, I went through the Halebury, uh, not the crevice. I hit them at the peak. They had 20, they had, we used, there was rumours going around there's 24 scholarships and 22 players. We're like, hey, there's good blokes in the twos on scholarships. How's this working? But, um, and I remember actually... One day we played a game, uh, APS combined. We were APS v AGS or something like that. Now, there was a bloke who was famous from uh, Halebury who was um, very well equipped um, in the body shape. Now, I remember the word went around the whole APS that uh, I can't remember his name. He had a false tooth or his tooth was knocked out. Anyway, as soon as he jumped in the showers, you should have seen us boys queuing up. <laughs> Us little Melbourne Grammar boys have never seen anything like it. I thought it was, I thought it was a, like a body part that it was growing out of shape. That's all we knew Halo before was they were men. They were real men. Now, uh, here we are. So, mate, drafted pick three. Uh, yep. You've got to be a bloody good player to go pick three. Um, me, Juddy, uh, and the gang. Um, were, were you always sort of at, at the peak? For me personally, I, I thought it just surprised me that I was drafted pick three. I joke, obviously, I know I was pretty shit, but... Um, were you always sitting at the top of the, the tree when it comes to the draft or was it a late rush 
uh, and the D's, uh, the D swooped in? For the longest time. So I always, uh, from WA, um, my parents, all my family's from there, um, my parents and their parents, and we always thought, as a, well, I didn't think this, I was just a young kid kicking around, but mum and dad always thought we were going to move back to WA at some point, yeah. and the schooling systems don't line up, so they put us all in, well, me and my older brother, and uh, Hamish through at a younger sort of age, so I was playing with blokes older than me all yeah. through football and school, and I was, you know, just this tiny little kid who... I wasn't bad, but I was at, by no means at the top. Yeah. And I remember in under-17s, I broke my arm um, and missed like uh, the whole year. So I, going into my top age year, I was, you know, I, I thought I was all right at footy and I believed I could get drafted, but I was yeah. nowhere on the radar of any, well, I mean, might have been on radars, but I was nowhere near the top sort of three pick. I just um, put a really good preseason together and um and just sort of left it all out there in that sense for the first time. I never really had a good run at it and yeah. uh, sort of came on pretty well in that year. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the rest is history. But, uh, yeah, no, I was never really highly touted until sort of the latter half of 2014 when I ended up getting drafted. Were you uh, – you were, you were, I saw a photo. Were you a Fremantle lad growing up, a supporter? Yeah. Well, yeah, so uh, my old man Sticks worked for yeah. – he played for North of 30-odd games and then – Worked for Fremantle, Port Adelaide and Richmond. And yeah. by the time he left Richmond in early 2000s, we were all sort of old enough, the boys, to um, pick our own team. And we all picked Hamish, who, you know, picked uh, North because yeah. he played there. My older brother picked Richmond. I picked Freo and Andrew picked Port Adelaide. So we yeah. had, had a fair spread. And, um, yeah, mum was a Freo supporter. I was probably a bit of a mum's boy or something like that. Mate, I um I actually was an Essendon supporter growing up, and all my cousins and stuff were Hawthorne. Could not yep. stand Hawthorne, couldn't stand them, uh, and then lo and behold, um yeah, over I yeah. go from Essendon. You you learn quickly to love who's paying you. I've decided, but uh, absolutely. <laughs> whoever I don't see Fremantle putting checks in the account. Um, who, who was around chasing you, or was it uh, pick three? Obviously, Melbourne was it? Was there a few meetings and a few discussions with other clubs? Look, I, there was. I mean. I reckon I spoke to St Kilda who had the first pick. GWS had pick three to start with. And then uh, I think it was Doggies might have had pick four or five. Yep. There were a heap of trades. But when James Frawley went to Hawthorne yep. and Melbourne got pick three, then that basically all stopped. So for the last two months leading up, I was, you know, basically just talking to Melbourne. And and if St Kilda had have done something that no one expected to pick me, then, yep. you know, that would have surprised everyone. But I was, yeah, pretty confident. I was going to Melbourne and um, yeah, eventually it happened. I was still pretty nervous though, you know, yeah. know until they did the name, I guess. But um, my my experience is probably a bit different from a few others, I guess. What were Melbourne like uh, when you joined them? Obviously, everyone knows the, the story of Melbourne for about a decade. Um, yep. Scully, Trengrove, um, Watts, all the young sort of recruits that were coming through. There was a lot of talk about uh, an inability to develop these um, you know, high draft picks. Where, where, where did you enter into the Melbourne Football Club? Were they about to relaunch another rebuild or were they slowly starting to track away? They just got Rusey the year before. So yep. he was probably halfway through, uh, you know, getting things the way he wanted. I mean, he had, this was the second draft he would have overseen and he had a year to delist and trade and do all that stuff. So I guess I sort of came in at the pretty early stages of, of a rebuild. And, um, but, you know, I remember coming in and, you look at all, Nate Jones was probably one that stood out for me. He's like uh, this revered figure and um, yeah. you know, I learned a lot from him. There was still like, a, if people think rebuilding, just think that, you know, we were completely gutting it from yeah. the club from the top to bottom, but we still had some players. You mentioned, um, I think, Trengrove and 
Jack Grimes was a, like we've got captains of AFL clubs sort of thing still floating around. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I found it like a really good environment to develop as a as a youngster. Obviously with Bruzy coaching and all the coaches he brought along, but still the, the players I felt like uh, we had a good we had some really good players and um, just needed to put it together. Mate, as we uh, as we go through, you know, your fifty odd games you get to, you're only twenty four at the moment, which uh, surprised me. I thought you're probably about twenty six, twenty seven. So, you obviously had that uh, famous year where you finished third in the Brownlow with 21, 21 votes. Uh, we'll, we'll get to yeah. that. But you weren't invited to the Brownlow, is that right? You you you'd done a Dane Swan the year he wasn't invited as well. I think he was on Mad Monday. Uh, get, yeah. Where were you on Brownlow night and? Uh, Tom Mitchell, I think from memory, 28 votes. I think you were you know, 21 or something like that. Where, where were you? And was the phone ringing from the AFL to be, hey, can you just uh, make sure you're available at some stage? Nah, no, no calls from the AFL. It was, it was pretty funny. So after you finish for the um, season, like we've made the prelim that year. So yep. we flew back, I think, having just lost on, might have been on the Friday or Saturday night. And I don't know, Brownlow's on Monday, is it? Or something yep. like that? Yeah. So... As you are pretty well aware, the couple of days straight after um, your season finishes are pretty solid. And I remember um, there was a bit of a down day on the Brownlow because a few of the boys had to go and everyone sort of said, we'll regroup, um, have a day off, regroup the next day. And, you know, the um, pub golf and Wacky Wednesday and all that stuff, um, we'll, re- we'll resume that later. Yep. So I was hanging out with a few mates, just really, really low key. Yep. And um, they had this basketball, um, they played like, public bar, like social basketball or something and they asked if I wanted to come and I was like, no, I'll just kick around here and yeah. watch the Brownlow. I'd never had a vote before, right? And I was pretty sure there was <laughs> one game against Adelaide. I had a heap of touches and kicked a few goals and we smacked Adelaide by 100 points. And I was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I penciled myself mentally. It was the only game I'd done all year. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get three votes. And I yeah. really wanted to, I mean, everyone's, I mean, I watched the Brownlow growing up and thinking that, just imagining myself getting called out. So for three votes. I was like, I really want to see that. So I was like, you go boys. I'll just stay here. Yeah. And my joint really, really like just myself, really low key. And the game comes along and um, I've got two votes and I was shattered. I was like, well, that's it for the entire year. I'm yeah. not getting like, that's the closest I'm ever going to get. And I was contemplating turning it off. And then all my mates sort of got back home. They, we were just sort of muted it in the background and sort of ticked along a little bit. And then there was that game against, I don't know if you remember, we played Freo, but, Andrew, my youngest brother, just nailed me holding the ball. Yeah, and like yeah. Got on top of the beating the yeah, crap out of me. Yeah, tough guy. Was it at Eddie Hat? Yeah, I was at, it was up in, um, Jesus, uh, uh, in, in Dallas, Dallas, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right yeah. up north. And, yeah. like, um, you know, they run the highlights package before the, the round boat start. Like, everyone's replaying over and over again. I was like, this is stuff. Like, I'm going to turn this off. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm still watching it for. And from that round on, I just, I think, I don't know what happened. I just took <laughs> off and then, um, it sort of finished in a real flurry and it was mental. And, they, and Tom Mitchell won with four rounds to go and then they're whizzing through, Gil's whizzing through and I'm getting three votes, three votes, three <laughs> votes, three votes. And my brothers are all messaging me and everyone's like, what the hell's going on? And that, yeah, I ended up finishing. I was second at one point and then yeah. still side on votes. And um, honestly, that was a, probably the best thing I said happened to me that I wasn't there because I was able just to, one of my mates had a 21st or the week before and had a heap of leftover alcohol. Yeah. And we just went right round to their house oh. and got like absolutely written off. And it was just like the best night ever. Because if I'm at the Brownlow at the event, I've got to sit there and act cool and yeah. all the rest of it and start feeling silly. <laughs> but I let rip and it was unreal. Like it was hilarious. Oh. So, mate, it's, uh, it's incredible. Fun. 
The um, and it's one of those ones too where um, everyone knew Tom Mitchell was probably going to win. So you try and find the small story in the Brownlow to keep you interested. And and for me, it was you not being at the Brownlow, hadn't polled a vote, and came home with a wet sail. And of course, like the, the theories of the helmet, you've got to get a helmet for the next year. Like <laughs> the, the umpires love the helmet. What, uh, yeah. what, what can you tell me about the helmet? Now, um, we've seen a couple of games when you're playing Darwin and stuff like that, and the helmet comes off and you ring it out, and there's just fluid yeah. through it like you wouldn't believe. So the helmet is obviously a result of your concussion issues and stuff. When did they first uh, pop up? And secondly, do you, is the helmet a compulsory aspect now, or is it more of a comfort? Uh, I mean, look, I've played footy since I was maybe six or seven, I guess. And I've, I've had a, I think everyone who's played contact sports footy in particular has probably had a concussion along the way. Yeah. Like, you're a Ed Langdon type who just runs around the outside and yeah. doesn't have to worry about it. But, He'd more likely hit um, his head on the fence. Yeah, exactly. So uh, look, I've, I wouldn't say I've had a massive history before about my second or third year, but you, know, you sort of get them along the way. And yeah. mum liked me wearing a helmet when I was a young kid and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've had, there's a lot of ways I've tried to describe this to a lot of different people about if is it compulsory, is it something I just prefer to do? And yeah. um, Berkey from St. Kilda, he used to wear a massive helmet. And he yeah. and I spoke a fair bit and he said to me, look, Gus, the basic, here it is. I'm punching you in the head right now. Would you rather have a helmet on or not? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I'll probably have a helmet on. So um, yeah. it's 1% you know, that helps, then that's 1% I'm absolutely willing to take. And um, I haven't had any trouble since. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to wear it for um, the foreseeable future until yeah. something changes. I don't foresee it changing. But um, the helmet I've got now currently is a bit lighter. So yeah. you would have seen that big black one that I was ringing out. This yeah. one's a lighter weight material. So it doesn't actually um, doesn't actually hold as much moisture, which is good. I've got a massive head to start with. Yeah. So it's... Uh, gets pretty hot up there. It's good that this one's a bit lighter. Mate, I just had a thing too when you were when you're talking about that and Brownlows. I polled um, one Brownlow vote in my life. Uh, <laughs> I still remember it. Round 18, V Collingwood, Friday night footy, uh, 2008. Yeah. Uh, the first, the week before, and as you said, you sort of, not pencil yourself in, but we played Geelong on the Friday night before and we lost in a, in a thriller. And I was like, yeah. this could be a Brownlow vote. Like, this is incredible. Yeah. I'm sitting there on the couch and I'm like, Make sure my phone's got reception. The girls are going to text. I'm telling you, I am going to be a man around town. I'm 20. It's going to happen. And got through it. It was like the usual three votes Bartel, two votes Ablett, one vote Sam Mitchell. I was like, are they even watching this <laughs> fucking game? I was unbelievable today. Anyway, the next week, Friday night, I played okay. And it was X Alice, one vote. And I swear it was a mistake. It was like I played okay. But, oh, mate, the phone... I, Reloaded those saved messages. Don't worry about that. I was at the Arcadia that night thinking I'd won the Brownlow. Good, awesome. good fun. Oh, mate, geez, it was fun. And also, I know it's embarrassing to have only got one Brownlow vote, but shit, one's so much better than zero. Like, Absolutely. I've just I've just cleared the path of the donut. That it, it is unbelievable. Uh, one, Absolutely. One thing I do need to ask you about, you, you're good by foot. You're very good by foot. Um, and you use both feet uh, yeah, reasonably willy-nilly. Is it true you broke your toe in about year two uh, and yeah. your mum told you just to toughen up, so you kicked on your left for that whole year and hence that's why you have uh, left and right foot purely because your mum didn't believe you had a broken toe? Yeah, that's, that's, 
a huge element of truth to that. I'm not sure it was 100% broken, but okay. I reckon for about three months, I can very vivid in my memory. I remember I, we were playing soccer or something, and I just absolutely swang my foot at the ball and hit like a someone else's like, I don't know what I hit, but yeah. hit something. And I remember walking on and limping home that night and saying, Mom, I've stuck my toe up. Yeah. And she's like, you'll be right. Just carry on. And look, I think naturally I'm probably a little bit ambidextrous, but yeah, um, for, I, yeah 100% for about three months, all I was doing was at school, at footy, was kicking on my left. And um, yeah, I mean, I, can't, I would have been geez, seven or eight maybe. And yeah. from then on, I've, you know, it's just been you know, it's pretty natural either side, whichever's more convenient at the time. So, um, yeah, mum, I've got mum to thank for that. It's almost child abuse in some ways, but um, I probably owe her a fair bit. It reminded me of when I was growing up as a kid, my little brother, uh, his name's Luther. If you've ever met another Luther before, I'd be surprised. It's an extremely strange name. Um, Anyway, I was chasing him around with a knife and fork. And I don't know why, like, a fake threatened to stab him. Nothing nothing serious, was never going to go through with it. Anyway, he fell over, and you know sometimes couches, like, there's a joint, you know, that, that you, they're not you know, L-shaped yep. back in the... Fell and got his arm caught in there, carried on like a pork chop. Mum went bananas, you know, piss off, both of you, you know, grow up. We're only young. Anyway, my little brother's limped off, holding his arm. About an hour later, mum went looking for him. He was passed out on a flight of steps... Yep, snapped both his arms, both the bones in his arm. No good. And that was when mum had just given up on the old toughen up line because she realised that potentially you need to be a parent at some stage. Toughen up. The the poor little bastard in plaster for about three months um, with with the broken arm. (laughs) Jeez, I don't know that, I don't think, but was in a fair bit of pain for a while. Yeah. Pass out or not. Nah, nah, but you're much tougher than the Alices, mate. We're a bunch of softies. Hey, um, your family, talking about uh, being, you know, tough buggers, you've got... Three brothers who play AFL. You've got, obviously, yourself, uh, Andy at Frio, Hamish, who uh, has just fallen off the list at, at West Coast, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll re-spin back onto their uh, waffle list. And then you've got your brother, Will, who's uh, in the army. Mm-hmm. He must look at you, and I was assuming that, you know, you see folks of the footy boys and go, oh, gee, they're tough nuts. But your brother must sit there just giggling at you three at Christmas time. How is it, yeah. uh, you know, how's the dynamics in the family? It's pretty funny. He was always... Uh way bigger than all of us growing up and used to like, you know, would just beat, beat us up or me in particular. Cause I was probably yeah. closest to him in size growing up. would just kick the, you know, the crap out of all of us. Yeah. And we got together and we might've geez, we probably were 10 to let's say 10 to 14 years old, maybe even younger. Yeah. And we said, when he turns 21 <laughs> for his birthday, we're just going to pummel him. Like happy birthday, <laughs> mate. Here's, like a, here's a lifetime of retribution <laughs> that you've on us and you can ask Hamish and Andrew about this we had this plan and it was rock solid and then he went and became a trained killer so we got um, 21 on his 21st birthday we're sitting around having a tin I'm sort of looking at Hamish and Andrew and I was like what's happening here we ended up abandoning the plan yeah. obviously there was no one who was gonna do it first but yeah he's um he's tough as coffin nails and doesn't giggle at us because he sort of likes to run and do all the stuff that we do and yeah acknowledges that the running and the fitness side of stuff we've got is pretty hard but um, you know, for example, for army camp, everyone does an army camp yeah. and like all through like that. Like we did three days of one, and ours was pretty well publicised as being a shambles. Like, yeah, like it was like, refused to go back, didn't you? The next year was that was that the yeah like, yeah, yeah a few blokes yeah. who just said nah, stuff it, and um, it was enough of the group that we ended up canning it. But all through that first one, I just remember thinking, my god, I've got three days in the worst case scenario. I've got three days of this, and Will goes out for weeks at a time and does it. Yeah. So, you know, as much as I hate preseason, as much as I hate running, um, 
he I'd hate to do well not hate I just wouldn't do it I yeah. got a choice so that's a good thing yeah. I get a choice <laughs> I choose not to go out and do the stuff that he does all the time so and the reason mental. and the reason why we have a choice is because he's people like him choose to do it so I'm, I'm very oh, grateful that they, that they make that stupid decision to put themselves through that I'm with you mate we used to Matt Suckling and I used to have a thing that when we were on a training camps that we used to get done for about eight days We'd get yep. through each session and it would literally like have to motivate each other. One more session until we get dinner. One more session until we get the day off. One more session until... And like, honestly, you'd get through it. It is hard. And, and your brother, Will, he's gone off and done, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Afghanistan stints and stuff like that. How's the family when, you know, Andy takes off to uh, Frio, Hamish to West Coast? And that's often a big one in a family life is losing a young one over to WA. Uh, yeah. how, how is the family when, when Will takes off for his, um, his missions, are they called? Yeah, uh, they're called um, tours. He goes tours. tours yep. So he's, um, look, at, that was a hard, hard one. I think it was, you know, for the first time, like, uh, you know, he's been, he took off to Canberra for the training and Hamish Nander got drafted and, and that's one thing, but actually going to Afghanistan was that's a whole different thing. And that was probably uh, for mum, obviously for mum was really hard. And uh, you know, I always, he, he instilled all of us, I think with confidence that, you know, he was, you know, he was going to be fine and all that stuff. So I wasn't super worried, but there's always in the back of my head thinking, you know, what if, what if, yeah. but yeah, for Hamish and Andrew and everyone sort of leaving when, um, when uh, they got drafted, I was, I was about to leave home. I'd all, like, I'd, um, yeah. you know, had all my, I'd, I was moving out. And mum sort of said, would you mind just like waiting a week? Because, um, and this was before the draft. She's like, what happens if uh, Andrew goes to Freo and Hayne gets drafted somewhere else? And then <laughs> you leave me, I'll be all by myself. And I was like, okay, mum, I'll just stick around and yeah. sort of watch the draft. And obviously they both get drafted in the state and I'm sort of, they come back down and on Monday, everyone's gone and I'm sitting there and like, well, now what mum? And she's like, oh, you know what? You could, you could probably leave too. Just sort of kicks me out at the same time. She's had four <laughs> boys now for 20 years. And I think sort of had a bit of peace and quiet. I was like, stuff it. She doesn't miss any of us really nah. as much as uh, she wants some peace and quiet. So uh, it was good. Yeah, that was a funny sort of weekend, that one. But um, yeah. no, nah, look, it's completely different, to be honest. Missing my brothers versus worrying yeah. about one in Afghanistan. So yeah. Composition. Crazy times. Uh, and I, I do believe too, you went from being uh, the star of the family um, amongst the brothers with um, academics, footballing ability and, and strength. Now, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you um, post-education, um, year 12, ATAR, was, was uh, in a bit of a dick-swinging contest about how academically um, sound you were and um, believed yeah. that no Brayshaw would ever meet your um, IQ and intelligence. And so you went on yeah. and made a bet that no one would ever get near me, uh, made a bet with Hamish and Andy, uh, yep. Lo and behold, Hamish's uh, grades came out and he toppled you and you'd, you'd put the 50 bucks uh, on his bed. Yeah. And then that was, then, a hard day. that was a hard day. And you, he reckons you never, ever mentioned it ever again. Well, I, that's, that, that last bit's incorrect because uh, I, obviously we know who your source is. The way um, ATARs work is it's like a ranking in your year. Yeah. So I got 95. That means that, you know, 5% of people were smarter than I am. Yeah. But Hamish, yeah, and this is the only possible conclusion uh, I can draw. We're just full of complete nutters, like <laughs> Nimrod. We've got no, I can't tell like, either end of a pencil when they get to their exam and stuff, yeah. and they're like, you know, doodling on the answers and stuff. Because he did beat me. He got a higher ranking, but yeah. 
it's uh, he's not in my league. He's like Oz kick first AFL sort of thing. Yeah. Um, okay. He, he, well, then he's a bit of a half. He doesn't so, understand that. He's not smart enough to conceptualise that. But um, <laughs> he's uh, yeah, and pretty smart. He's pretty happy with where he's at home at the moment. He so, is. But then know. I believe also after you'd been knocked off your pedestal as the uh, the academic of the house, you would uh, stroll around and say. Look, I didn't actually, um, you know, I obviously tried at school, but um, I was balancing uh, my AFL journey. Uh, none of you guys will ever be as good as me at football. I was drafted pick three. Um, you guys will never get near me. And then Andy comes along and scoops you with pick two. So then, yeah, you, then you're not even the, the, the highly talented football in the family. Is that correct as well? You do the same thing there, Zav. Um, okay. Week, a week year, draft. Week year, <laughs> yeah. I would have gone. I would have gone. Uh, they would have invented like a rookie draft, like when Hogan and uh, Martin went in the preseason draft or something. That's yeah. It would have been no contest there. But I've, I've, look, to be fair to the two of them, they actually have uh, you know hit me in, in those two respects. Yeah. And actually, I've, I've gone looking for other things now. I'm the only one who's got a hole in one, which I'm pretty happy with. Okay. And uh, I'm the highest placing in a Brownlow, which we've spoken about. Yeah. So I've got that going for me. I'm honestly pulling stuff out of thin air at this point, just trying to stay in front of them there. Well, even yeah, as we touched on as well, that they sort of, um, that you strutted around with a shirt off after a couple of big pre-seasons and made out that you might have been the tough guy. But even Will's got you covered there. Well, yeah, he can, you know, he's got most people covered there, to be fair. So I don't have a heat going for him at the moment. Maybe I'm the best all-rounder. Is that something that's worth bragging about? I'd probably not, but... No, I don't mind it. I'll, I'm uh, talking about, um, you know, siblings and scores and all that sort of stuff. Christ, my um, my sister, I honestly thought they'd cook the, the, the eight-star scores when she was my older sister. My living mm-hmm. memory of her in the boarding house was one night she snuck out, got blind drunk, tried to sneak back in, and the window closed on her halfway in and halfway out. So I honestly thought she was going to be a dropout. She was up on level two, stuck halfway out a window. And I think she got 99, I think. Something yeah. like that, like just one of those like Rain Man sort of stuff. I was like, this is not right. Yeah. Something's... And then it came to me and I, I, I was the person who was half stuck out a window. And I, and I thought that maybe it was just a natural, you know, analysis ability to pull things out your ass. Well, they must have buggered my results up because um, at the end it was me and Tommy Hawkins fighting to see who got above 50. But... Um, <laughs> No, no, I, I lie there. I, I did scoop 50 comfortably, but I didn't go too far past it. Um, another one I need to ask you about. I don't want to go um, you know, a shit story into a shit story, but I found this one really, really funny. And um, your parents growing up as kids prior to um, turning 18, uh, you know, underage drinking's a, a big thing. Is it, is it true your parents offered you $1,000 uh, cash on your 18th to avoid underage drinking? Yes, and I collected on it. I was uh, yeah. I was good for the whole way through. Yeah, so, was was there one? Uh, did, did one night go have to go to the stewards for an inquiry um, regarding yeah. <laughs> regarding oh, mate. A, a, a night where yeah, where, where Will Last might have where Will might have picked you up on his L plates uh, with your mum, where you text mm. for a bit of an emergency evacuation uh, from a party, and everything was seemed a little bit suspicious as to why you were texting and you're acting a little bit strange and all that sort of stuff. Um, and your parents automatically drew to conclusions that you had been uh, drinking, you were you know, slightly intoxicated, therefore the $1,000 is gone. But that, yeah. that wasn't the case, was it? No, nah, look, honestly, I think back on this night uh, and I'm grateful because it could have been so much worse. <laughs> think about, I would have been in year geez, 10 or maybe 11 and school was just like, you know, everyone, like it's this, uh, you know, popularity contest almost. And yeah. if you shit yourself, then you're probably not going to be very popular. <laughs> and I remember um, 
jumping over the back of this fence, right? Yeah. Into this park. Like, again, like just such a coincidence. There was a footy oval out the back and jumped the fence. And as I was jumping, shat myself. And <laughs> like, I was crook as a dog. And that night I was like, I've got to go because as, as I mentioned, popularity contests and all this, yeah. you go try and put girls and my mates and stuff and all that. So I've got out the back. I've done a huge lap of this oval round to, <laughs> it was in the neighborhood. So mercifully close to home. And yeah. I said, mum, and I need to get out of here. I'm come picking up. And we'll, my older brother tells a story like rounds the corner and I'm just sitting there with my head in my hands. Just like, can't believe what's happened. And he's yeah. like, he's like, yes, he's got a gut for one and spewed. And yeah. Yeah. And I reckon they opened the door to let me in. And then it becomes pretty <laughs> obvious what happened. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a hilarious story in hindsight. At the time I was pretty flat, but, um, just oh. imagine how much worse it would have been. Like they, I was oh, seriously, mate. um, running out the back. They have yeah. a pool out the back. It was near the pool. Everyone's around the pool. I oh. jumped the fence. Yeah. Like, I'd have shat myself in the 10 seconds prior. It would have been over. I would have changed schools. It would have been done for me. Oh, so. mate. Classic. So you, you cashed in on the thousand, uh, yep. Hamish, did he get the thousand or did he break? Uh, Haim did. Haim got it. I think Haim got it, and so did Andrew. Yeah. Will broke him. Would have been ten or twelve years old. When he got, <laughs> uh, so he didn't really care about it too much. But um, oh. yeah, I think the rest of us collected, and uh, yeah, from there, um, I think it's probably changed a little, little yeah. bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, I had, I had that uh, younger brother of yours around at mine. The other night, and it's fair to say, uh, when he texted me to see whether it was, I, was, I had the AFL grand final at my joint, and um, yeah. Emily, my wife, was I don't know, nearly nine months pregnant. So you got a bit of leeway because you know for a fact you've got a Desi driver. So I got yeah. a bit socially excited and, and rolled with the punches. Well, your brother put me in a hole, and the next morning, um, what are you doing, mate? NRL grand final. I had the bucket. I, I get a bucket out, a saucepan. <laughs> it's the saucepan I cook the minestrone in. It's the biggest one we've got. And I'm in my jocks yeah. on the couch. And as soon as M gets out, if she knows the saucepan's there, I'm in my jocks, there's a lot of trouble coming my way. Sure enough. Oh, oh mate, a ho- absolute horror show. Um, I'll move on to... Uh, I was talking to uh, a guy, well, uh, my son's uh, great-grandfather, John O'Connell. Uh, he knows your family really well. Claremont Footy yeah. Grounds named after him. All that sort of stuff. I was telling him last night that... Um, I was doing it with you, and they automatically he said, oh, what a wonderful family, what a wonderful family. I saw an Andrew Embley this morning uh, at work. What a wonderful family, what a wonderful family. The Brayshaw name has got a, um, you know, a really good ring to it, and, and, and so many people got so many nice things to, to say about the Brayshaws. Can I ask you about the, the Andrew Gaff um, situation yeah, sure. and how uh, your family handled it was um, incredibly unbelievable. Uh, you know, the, the way that you, you sort of... Took a step back, and, and I don't, I don't know. But for you, um, Hamish was at West Coast. Uh, yeah. You word from Melbourne from over here was you were pretty furious about what had gone on. Uh, your family were um, open and accepting of Andrew's uh, apology. How how was that period of time? Weird, uh, weird in a heap of ways. I, I um, sympathise for Hamish what he went through. I remember yeah. thinking, "Geez, you know, I'm." the way I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and uh has got to sort of go into work the next day sort of yeah. thing um yeah I mean I just think uh you know brothers we fight but at the same time if something happens to one of us then we're all sort of in the trenches for each other and yeah. I just remember I was, I was pretty upset about it all happening and um you know credit probably goes to my, my old man uh Sticks who was he's mm. seen a bit of footy and um he works for the coaches association so yeah. he's probably 
in a weird, again, a weird position where, um, you know, he's got to try and remain impartial. And to his credit, he uh, was able to sort of, um, you know, put the flame out pretty quickly. And sure, I'm, uh, family members and stuff that I've spoken to are like, yeah, we don't agree with what he said. Like, um, you know, he sort of was sort of saying, what happens on the footy field stays on the footy field. And yeah. we've accepted the apology and Andrew's going to be okay. So let's move on. And yeah. That's not a unanimous, I wouldn't say a unanimous um, position held, but I mean, what's it, it's been three years or something. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we've accepted his apology and I think um, emotions were really high at the time. And yeah, um, yeah the way uh, Dad handled it probably was a, a pretty key sort of factor in sort of keeping the lid on everything and yeah. um, not making it bigger than what it was, you know what I mean? So um, Andrews, uh, two Andrews have, you know, played golf and Hamish loves Gaffy. They get yeah. along pretty well. So, I mean... Uh, I've ne- I haven't really I'm not shaking his hand once or twice after the times I've played him but yeah. you know uh, there was a bit of emotion at the time there's no not, no real ill will anymore so um, oh mate yeah, it was I, a crazy the- time it was, it was crazy and I mean you're, you're, you're under the umbrella I was literally sitting at the I was about to do a show uh, over here for one of the, the programs or whatever and I missed it and then they're like oh Andrew Gaff's um, broken Andy Brayshaw's jaw and I was like Nah, it, it may be the other way because Andy being a young guy, maybe not knowing, might, might might have a bloody hot collar or something. I didn't, I couldn't believe yeah. what had happened. So, no, nah, the sentiment that I'd, I'd come around uh, just literally talking to people um, the last couple of days was the, the Brayshaw, uh, the family name, and that sort of stuff, uh, and the way especially that was ha- that was handled was um, exemplary. And um, you know, credit to you guys, and especially. I know what you're saying in terms of if um, you know someone gets your your brother, you really want to try and level up as quickly as you can. And uh, the way yeah. that the way that it was handled was was a credit to your family. So um, that's just a, that's just a little side byproduct from me. But uh, the sentiment's big yeah. in WA yeah. like that. Um, now, mate, I do need to ask. I've got a lot of Melbourne supporters uh, who are friends sure. with me, and, and I hate the Melbourne Footy Club. I hate them. Why that? Nah, I went to a school where ninety percent of um, students. Are Melbourne supporters, and I'm not talking Melbourne, uh, Melbourne Grammar, and I'm not talking. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go and you know, if they make the finals, I'll. I'm, they're there, MCC uh, scarves yeah. on, beanies <laughs> on. You know the full wankers. You, you high five them at the end of the game and all that sort of stuff. I, I had to go through a full schooling period where we'd go and watch uh, the D's, and it'd be Russell Robinson's the best forward in the competition. He's just the best yeah. forward, and you're like, he's not the best forward, not by a lot, no, nowhere near the best forward. And you'd have that fight, and then it'd be, oh gee whiz, David Neitz. He, he was better. Than, he's better than any Ford that's ever played the game. And, you know, the, and you, no, he's not. You fools! Like what? But that's just how in love with the yeah. football club uh, they are. So I need to ask um, Max Gorn, your captain. Uh, I still laugh at the story that Kyle, I think it was Kyle Cheney, who I'm really good mates with, snitched on him smoking a dart at training on the way uh, in his first couple of years. What, what, what's Maxie Gorn like as a leader? Uh, obviously thrown in as, as, as captain, uh, much love from the outside, uh, has that bloke that, you know, work hard, play hard sort of uh, mm. mentality. Uh, Max Gorn, how, how would you describe him and how would you see him as captain? Yeah, look, I think uh, no surprises from the smoking a dart story. He's a pretty sociable guy and always <laughs> sort of has been. He's um, great company to be around. And I think early days, that was probably the long and the short of it. But uh, the way he's developed and grown, um, that's his leadership style, sort of yeah. bringing people together and uh, making f- people feel comfortable. And, you know, I've been around sixth year. I think I've, you know, watching him, sitting back and watching, um, the way he's sort of grown, that's his strength as a leader. So, um, you know, the club, uh, sort of everyone was 
sort of really wanting. Like, I mean, we all love Vines, but yeah, when Warney sort of came onto the scene, he Vines' strengths is leading by example yeah. and the way he plays on the footy field. And Gorney's are um, obviously the off field, like bringing people and making them feel a part of the club, sort of thing. So I think together they make a really effective leadership duo. But yeah, um, yeah Gorney's a ripper. He's really authentic. I mean, he's he's obviously chewed a bit and grown up, but the the essence of what makes him. Um, who he is and I mean as you said everyone from the outside looking in loves him and we're exactly the same on the inside he's um he's an absolute ripper so very funny I sit next to him in a locker he's very yeah. messy as well yeah. so he needs to sort that does he stink smart. I reckon Ruckman have a, have, a, have a pong to him a bit is he a smelly yeah he's, I think that's just because something's festering in his locker and he just wouldn't know <laughs> but um he's very funny you know, he's a ripping bloke and yeah. a freak footballer so uh yeah, good. so obviously this year when the, I don't know how the D's do it in terms of the captaincy vote, but uh, for example, we had Luke Hodge um, after Sam Mitchell and it was like you're wasting your time doing a vote count. It's, um, yeah, yeah full full house to Hodge and then, you know, full in, in behind that. So Max Gorn is just, yeah, you'd say he's the incredible leader and, uh, and the sort of leader I'd like as a person, someone who wants to make you feel welcome, have some fun along yep. the way uh, and, and the right option for the footy club. Yeah, it sort of changes with the way we've done it because when I rocked up, it was the same with Jonesy. It was full yeah. house Jonesy. Yeah. Um, we sort of had a transition after Jonesy sort of pulled back from it. And I think, yeah, Gorney's probably just going to be given it again this year and yep. um, we'll go from there. I, I would assume having absolutely no idea, we aren't even back at yeah. training it. We'll wait and see, but everyone's loving the job he's doing. And, yeah still growing as well. So I think he's going to stay in that job for a little bit, I think. Now, Nathan Jones, I played under-18s against Jonesy. We beat them in the uh, TSC Cup Grand Final. Um, at Danny Back when he had hair. Hey? Back when he had hair. Oh, oh, gee, I don't reckon there was a lot then anyway. But he was a scary, Dog. scary man. I, I was, it, we, so there was Danny Nong and we were Gippsland. So I think it was sort of two Bogans you know, areas anyway. But... Um, Jonesy, uh, and I'm, I haven't looked this up, but I think I heard he's played 295 games. Is that about right? He'd be pushing... I mean, he's in the 290s. I, yeah. I think early 290s. He's okay. going uh, around this year. Yep. Yeah. So, and I reckon now, and I'm 20 kilos overweight, but I reckon if me and Jonesy did a 50-meter sprint, it'd be close. He, he's slowing down. He's slowing down. How important it is to see Nath Jones get to 300 for what the service he's given the footy club? Yeah, I... Uh, I um... I love Nath Jones. He picked yeah. me up um, first day and um, really looked after me and sort of showed me the way and the ropes around the club and to play football in general. So personally, selfishly, I'd love to see him get yeah. there. But uh, I think if you're talking about from you think about the Melbourne Football Club and uh, what he has meant, to, you know, for us, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's an understatement to say the last he's been here 15 years. The last 15 years. Besides the prelim, yeah, um, I've been the hardest fifteen years in the club's history. I reckon yeah. he's telling me he might have had eight coaches in seven years, and they lost, they lost all these games and were going to merge with Hawks and had no money and the rest of it. And a player like Nath Jones could have gone, I think, anywhere and yeah. got a spot on the list and chased um, premiership premierships and mm. uh, the rest of it. But um, you know, I just think that's the sort of bloke he is. A testament to the bloke. Um, and I think that's why it would be great if he could get um, 300. Uh, and who knows? I think Neitz is 307. Yeah. And he's got the potential, the potential to, to yeah. sort of top that. But what he means to the club, um, the way he stuck by, stuffed that through some really tough times and um, guided us to a really, really hard period um, to, to ultimately, I mean, we got to the prelim, but 
our success in the future will be based in no small part of mm. the work he's done. I think for him to get 300 would be um, momentous for our club. And he's an already a life member in the AFL, I think. And yeah. In the Melbourne Football Club, at least. And well-deserving. I think he's a ripper and um, just praying his old body. Oh, he's no. had a big pre-season. So yeah. we need him to fire up. Mate, it's crazy. And um, when I say I don't like the Ds, I love the Ds. But Nathan Jones is someone who you just... New, regardless of the scoreline, was going to give it absolutely everything he's got. Now, have you got five more minutes, mate? I'll wrap up quickly. Absolutely, uh, mate. Yeah, uh, Christian Petrarca, um, you know, had a little bit of, I suppose, a little bit of Dusty Martin in terms of a young Dusty. <laughs> would would do a few bits and pieces. You go, geez, that's good. Is he a forward? Is yeah. he a midfielder? Where's he best suited? I mean, he literally launched into the, the AFL as a megastar this year. Where's the limit on uh, Christian Petrarca? Look, I think there isn't a yeah. limit. I think um, what's going to make, what's going to take him and the rest of us to a new level is when uh, we start sort of really gelling and meshing. I think, you know, you look back at the list we've gotten, and for the majority of us, our best football was uh, in 2018. Yeah. Tracks probably doesn't fit in that boat, but a lot of blokes uh, played way better when the team's going better, and I think yeah. that if Christian's playing this well when we're, um, you know, struggling at times um, when we're firing on full cylinders. Uh, he, there's, I, I honestly think, yeah, there's no limit to how good he can be. So I think that's, um, uh, you know, exciting for us. I'd be worried if I was an opposition sort of uh, mm. player slash coach trying to prepare for it. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. He's, he, he's, I think, finally sorted out um, how to be an AFL footballer. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm lucky I'm his teammate and not yeah. the other way around. I don't know what I'd do. Absolutely, mate. We used to have that feeling with Buddy Franklin. You'd just be like, you'd be in oh, awe of him and you absolutely. go, thank Christ we've got this bloke. Um, where, where do you see him playing? Is he, when you turn up day one to fitness stuff, can he, has he got a good engine? Is he extremely quick? What, what's, or is he just a good footballer? What's his, you know, is he just very good at a lot of areas? He's powerful. He's the most yeah. powerful athlete I've ever seen. Probably a bit the same as what you would say about Buddy. Like, uh, yeah. you can't complain him physically. He's just too big and strong. Um, he's put a heap of work into his credit, into his tank, um, yeah. and he's running way better than I've ever seen him run. So that probably helps to be a midfielder. Uh, lends itself to being a midfielder. And, yeah, I mean, you know, you see the way... Like, I just see things that he does, and yeah. Dustin Martin's probably the, pretty, the closest sort of analogy. I mean... Um, if we can get him up to that sort of level, which to be honest, like he's already right up there in terms of what Dusty brings, you know, tracks pretty similar. Um, if we can get a couple of really, like, uh, let's say three or four years of that sort of output, then um, that's the sort of thing that you can build a team around. So um, I'm just uh, hopefully start touching wood that he stays uh, yeah. injury free, which I don't know why I even said that because he hasn't even looked like an injured now put yeah. the moz on him probably, but he's, um, he's a freak and, We've got some other really good players, obviously. So, um, yeah, yeah, but, uh, we're excited for what's happening. Mate, last one, and I'll ask about your own uh, footy going forward. Uh, the inclusion of Ben Brown, oh, I reckon that's an absolute steal for you guys. I don't think you've had a forward yeah. that's straight. And Jesse Hogan, of course, but in terms of a ge- genuine, and he'll be licking his lips when he sees someone like you with with the footy, a straight-up lead-up footballer. Um, there's not yeah. many of them in the game. Uh, ben, uh, ben Brown straightening you guys up. Is that is that sort of exactly what the doctor ordered in your eyes for the Melbourne Footy Club? Yeah, I think um, you're absolutely right, and so it's I, you know, I don't mean to throw back to 2018, but yeah. it just happens to be the best way to sort of illustrate the point. When we had Hogs, and you think about the struggles Tom McDonald's had, well, Tom McDonald was kicking 50 goals as a second forward yeah. in 2018, and um, you know I think that a lot of our forward woes uh, sort of 
you know, come because of the fact that I'm not saying that Hogs is the complete reason, but um, having that um, forward who can take the first defender and still kick, I think he kicked 60 goals in four or three yeah. four consecutive seasons or something. So um, he makes everything a lot easier for everyone else. And Tom McDonald's in fighting shape. So I think he's going to come back um, with a point to prove. And we've got some, you know, Cosy Kicker, Charlie Spargo and Sam Wiedemann and Luke yeah. Jackson. We've got a exciting forward line i think he's the uh, missing piece that really gets it clicking so yeah. um hopefully that sorts our scoring wise out and uh we can get back to kicking some big scores Mate, he's a ripper though ben brown i'm yeah. a big fan of his no i, I was surprised that um and, and talk about his value sort of uh, striking at the right time you have one you know quite a season and, and he's out um yeah, you hear your exactly. uncle JB talk about him. Obviously, he was president there for a long period of time. And there's no great accolade that you'd put him on him and consistent. Uh, mate, your own mm. footy. Um, Brownlow year, 21 votes uh, inside the contest. Uh, and then I looked, you started the season the next season, uh, 26 possessions, 33, 34, 19, 27. So the, the, the season after yeah. the Brownlow um, run was incredible good start. And then you moved positions a little bit. Where's, where's your best... Footy, do you feel like you, you play your best? Um, you know, I've got my own. I, I have a punt on you most weeks when you're in the most disposable markets. But, um, mate, your, your, your footy, where do you where do you like to play? Uh, obviously, you've got balance and all that sort of stuff. And there's talk about yeah. um, you and Viney in, in the same team, all that sort of business. Where, where do you like playing uh, and where do you sort of, you know, you would have spoken to Goody at the end of the year about, you know, the direction you're going to go this season? Look, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I'm a midfielder. And yep. that starts on, I'm an inside midfield and that's my one wood and, um, you know, that's what I see myself as. But, you know, I think uh, you're right. I had a red hot start to 2019. Yeah. And realigned pretty shortly after. Like, I thought that was my role sort of thing and that's yep. what the team needed and that's what I went out every week with my single focus was to try and just win the ball and, you know, take it forward and kick goals and that was a lot of how, how I was helping. But, um, there's you know, it's a team game and there's heaps of other elements to being a, a, you know, a complete midfielder other than just winning the ball. So I've developed the heap in, um, you know, the defensive sort of sphere as well. And I think, yeah, you're right. I, I can play um, different roles. Like I've played out in the wing a bit and, yeah. um, you know, the rest of it. But I think that's being a part of the team and doing what the yeah. team needs. And I think, um, you know, sacrificing for the team is part of being on a team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love playing in the midfield. I love winning uh, probably more than anything else. So yeah. if, if that's what it takes for us to win, then um, that's something I'm absolutely willing to do. So uh, my best football, I think there was one game this year when Vines and we had a few injuries and I sort of got put back in there and I yeah. had 30 touches with the snag. So I still got it. Don't know about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a team sport and I'm happy to help contribute to the win uh, yeah. in any way shape or form so nah, absolutely hey, how's the ankle mate you had surgery and i saw a photo with you with the um face mask on in the hospital how, was, yeah. was covid surgery a bit different like did you have visitors and guests and that sort of stuff and and how's the ankle none so it was very strange i mean it's my first surgery ever it was on my, on my foot actually my and foot, um yeah it was weird enough um you know going through it for the first time but yeah covid all these restrictions i didn't you know no one saw me like came in and yeah anything like that i um it was a very weird experience being in a hospital at that time, but um, I'm going back in hopefully on Friday, I think, to get all the screws and plates out. It's healed really well. Yeah, nice. I'm about a month out of the schedule, so um, I'll be back um, fit and firing for – not fit and firing fully, but I'll be running around when pre-season starts, and yeah. I'm hopefully not too far off training and stuff. So it's not going to impact my next year of footy whatsoever. So ah, beautiful. It's, um, 
that's great, mate. It's a great result and I'm um, feeling good. Oh, I've, got, I've got four more really quick ones for you. Uh, best football trip location you've been to? Uh, Bali. But I probably will never go back because I've been once and like I've seen it all. I don't see it anymore. Like nah. I've just got heaps of fresh <laughs> memories. I can stay there. Uh, Andy Brayshaw is going to be the captain of the Fremantle Dockers. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Is there a chance we see you back in a Fremantle jumper like you were in, as a junior? Uh, none at the moment. <laughs> uh, how's the love life? Uh, brilliant. Yeah, actually, I'm very lucky. It's uh, I found a girl who laughs at my farts, and yes. uh, that's that's the main thing. No, Danielle Frawley's uh, sort of I've got to know her. That's how I got involved in November. You might see my mo. So. Yep. Um, through uh, the association with her and her old man, it's really motivated yep. me to do that. And she's a ripper. She's um, taken great care of me over the last couple of months. And yep. uh, I'm very, I'm punching very much above my weight. So I'm very happy with that. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah absolutely you are. All Brayshaws are batting above their weight. Don't worry <laughs> about that. I, uh, I must say, so the mo looks great, mate. Um, I'm not sure whether you can still donate or not, but if you can, where, where would you get to, to uh, at least support men's health in November? Yeah. I've got a link on my Instagram in the description, but Movember.com <clears throat> uh, and then the prompt sort of, let, uh, it's pretty hard to miss from there. So yeah. um, I'm not sure, actually. I think, uh, I don't think it is too late. If, okay. It doesn't count my total anymore, but donating yeah. to men's health at any time is obviously super important. So yeah, good cause. Mate, men's health, actually, a funny one. We, as you know, Perth, uh, Coburn, which is known yep. as spelled as Cockburn, Cockburn. Uh, yeah, so I, I freely call it Cockburn. Now, for Men's Health Week, uh, just not long ago, Jules, the girl I work with, we sent her down to Cockburn to draw a massive dick uh, with a Strava wrap in her backpack, and I just guided her along, and she drew this massive, massive penis. And we, and we took the mickey out of it all morning. More to rip the Band-Aid yeah. off and say, you know, Men's Health. Well, a guy texts me about a week later saying, oh, Zave, how comfortable you guys made it um, about, you know, the, all the ball jokes and stuff like that on, on air. I had something that was yeah. concerning me. Uh, I was always too frightened to go get it checked. Went and got it checked. Sure, lo and behold, he had something. But wow. in time to get it all, you know, if it readjusted, had surgery and all that sort of stuff. So I know it's not a men's health uh, a plug, but uh, yeah, obviously get into your link, uh, donate. But yeah. also uh, men's health is extremely important, as you just spoke about with, uh, with your beautiful partner, Danielle. Last one, uh, you're, on a, you're on a footy trip. I don't know, we'll call it Vegas. You have five seats at a table. So you've five seats. Uh, you've got one. You're in one. So there's four seats remaining uh, at Vegas. Who are the best four for a night out, a beer and a bit of fun that you get to choose that you've played with? Played with? Uh, yep. Michael Hibbard. Yeah, yep. He's got to be up there. The number pig. one, I'd yep. say. Bernard Vince. Yeah, Bernie's good uh, fun. Yeah. I'll give him that too. He's an absolute ripper. Um, I'll probably, I've got to pick someone. I'll take Nath Jones just because I know for a fact I need someone at the table who's going to look yeah. after me and so I don't um, do something that I probably... And a bit of, secu bit of security. On my team. Bit of security too in case it gets a bit tough. Yeah, a yeah, bit willing. Tough, yeah. yeah, so who have I got? So there's three. How many did you say? You've you got, you got one more. One more. Um, and if, if, you, if you're splitting between two, I'll, I'll give you an emergency. No, no, I'm probably going to take uh, Oscar McDonald, who did get delisted this year. Okay. But he's um, he, he's the sort of, like, he's a real smart bloke, but also incredibly weird. And I reckon yep. in Vegas, he's a, he's real smart. He could win us, a, you know, a thousand bucks, a yep. hundred thousand at the tables, yep. or just as likely do the most crazy thing any of us <laughs> have ever seen. So he's a bit of an X factor for us. Oh, mate, that's uh, that's ripping it. I look at Oscar McDonald and I go, I reckon he's going to be an astronaut or something. On the footy field, yeah, I just exactly. like he looks like he's got an astronaut up his sleeve. But, uh, <laughs> mate, 
Gussie, really appreciate your time, mate. Um, we've, we've had you for an hour, which is uh, extremely, extremely good of you. Uh, wish you all the best with the Ds this year. Uh, look after the ankle. Um, hopefully we see it healed and uh, back being the, the superstar of the competition. Um, at the ripe old age of 24, you've got so much footy ahead of you. I look forward to uh, seeing what you can produce. Cheers. Uh, thanks for having me, mate. It's a great chat.